Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our next today's message comes from all three readings as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm going to start off today with a phrase that maybe you've heard before, maybe you've heard many times before, and it's the basis for where we're going today. The phrase is simul justus et peccator, which means at the same time, simul, like simultaneous, both saint, justus, and sinner, peccator. As you might know, we have sin on this earth. We are born into sin. We commit actual sins. And what we deserve for our sin is punishment. It's death. It's hell. And even though Jesus has overcome sin, death, hell, and the devil in his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, we still have sin in us. We cannot get rid of it on this earth, and we still commit sins. So we are a sinner, the peccator. But through faith in Jesus, we are made saints, the Eustace, the justified one. That means we have the promise, not of death and damnation, but the promise of eternal life. And it's not just some future hope, something that we have to look forward to years down the road, but it is a present reality for us. We are living eternal life right now. Even though we won't be able to fully see it, realize it, comprehend it, until we leave this earth. Through baptism, we are made saints we are made saints when our sins are forgiven in the absolution. We are made saints when we receive Jesus' body and blood for our forgiveness in his supper. We are made saints through Christ's death and resurrection. And only when God calls us home will we leave that sinner behind us for good. Because then we will be in a place where there is no more pain no more suffering, no more sin, and no more death. This dynamic of sinner and saint, the reality of our sin and the reality of our salvation, is what our daily life is like. And if you've been following along with us in these last few weeks, whether here in person or online, you would know that we've been talking quite a lot about conflict. Conflict is something that happens between two people who are in opposition to one another for some reason. Last week, we heard that we are called to humility. We're called to lay our pride down. And one of the things that humility helps us to do is to draw near to God, as James Chapter 4 tells us. When I heard this, it sounds similar to our Old Testament reading from Amos, which says, Seek the Lord and live. And this verse reminded me of the gospel reading for today from Mark, where the rich young man comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Jesus then references the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. To which the man responds, Teacher, I've kept all of these from my youth. And Jesus said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. So this man had drawn near to God because Jesus is God, and he was seeking, looking to Jesus for life, to have eternal life. And Jesus gave him an answer, telling him to give up everything that he had and then to come and follow him. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, we don't know the end of the story of this rich young man, we don't know if in the end he actually did it. If he gave up all that he had and came back and followed Jesus. We're guessing that he doesn't because he is disheartened. He is discouraged. You can almost picture him leaving like head down, shoulders slumped. And now he's got this internal struggle going on because, well, Jesus told him to sell everything. And, well, he's got a lot of everything. And he doesn't know if he can do it, and he doesn't know if he can give it all up. Again, we're guessing not, because, well, as Jesus says to his disciples in the next verse, which we didn't hear in today's gospel, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. We'd love to have a follow-up story after all. Jesus said, it's difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Not impossible, which is why we'd love to hear the follow-up story. We'd love to see Jesus walking on the road to Jerusalem and have the rich young man come back and say, Jesus, I did it. I'm here. I gave it all up and I'm ready to follow you. But we don't because it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Or as Jesus had said elsewhere, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Our scripture readings for today prompted me to want to dig into a little bit more the conflict that occurs most often in our lives. And no, I'm not talking about the conflict between God and money. I'm talking about the conflict with yourself. The biggest conflict that happens most often in life happens with in ourselves. So yes, we've been talking about conflict with others, and we'll get back to that today. But what we most often see only involves us, which really is a conflict between us and God. Because ultimately, every sin is a sin against God. So maybe many, maybe even all of us, are like the rich young man and struggle with serving money over God. Nevertheless, we are all tempted to sin every single day in many ways. And Romans chapter 7 verse 15 reminds me of what conflict looks like. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate. 
This is that internal conflict, that internal struggle that is inside of us all. This is the sinner versus the saint. And Paul said earlier in Romans that even those who don't have the law follow the law because the law is written on their hearts. We know the good things that we're supposed to do, like do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother, these things that Jesus said. We know the difference between right and wrong. It's written on our hearts. We know the good that we're supposed to do. And the saint knows how to keep the commands of God. But the sinner does the things that we hate. The sinner doesn't follow God's laws. The sinner wants chaos in the world. The sinner wants conflict. The sinner wants the internal conflict as we wrestle with our own individual temptations and sin. And the sinner wants conflict with others. The sinner wants conflict with God. So what's your conflict? Hatred toward others? Sexual immorality? Lying? Stealing? Cheating? Slander? Greed? Not honoring your father and mother? Disrespecting those who are in authority over you? What's your conflict? Where you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you don't. And here's the thing with conflict. I think that the single biggest factor for conflict in your life, for you not being able to resolve conflict, is yourself. It's you. You're the problem. That's because you can't control anyone else, no matter how hard you try. You can't control their thoughts. You can't control their actions. But you can control yours. And you're a sinner. A sinner who gives in to temptation, who seeks out conflict with others, who struggles with sins of all shapes and sizes. You're a sinner who sins. And the same goes for me too. The problem is me. I'm a sinner who has struggles and temptations. I am a sinner who sins. And if you're sitting there thinking about the conflicts in your life and you're like, it's not me, it's the other person. Or if you're looking at the other conflicts with temptation and sin and you're like, it's not my fault. Please do me a favor and go and look in a mirror and tell me that there is no fault to be found in you whatsoever. No fault to be found in you at all. Tell me that you are not the problem. Tell me that you are, in fact, perfect. And then listen to these words from the New Testament reading of Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, 
leading you to fall away from the living God. God doesn't want anyone to fall away from him. He doesn't want you to have an unbelieving heart. The sinner inside of you does, but the saint doesn't. Last week, we were talking about humility in the context of conflict, and one of the things we saw is that humility helps us to see our own sin. That's what the mirror of the law does. It shows us our sin. Better yet, listen to 1 John chapter 1. We heard it earlier in our confession. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then we skip a verse and go to verse 10 and it says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you can look in the mirror and still say, it's not me, you are a liar. And the truth of God and his word is not in you. However, if you're able to look in the mirror and repeat Amos's words to yourself, and you can even insert your own name, for I know how many are your transgressions, Glenn, and how great are your sins, Glenn. If you can be honest and admit these things, then the truth of God and his word is in you. God is in you and is at work in your life. And we can then hear that verse in between those two verses, which we also heard today. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where there is confession and repentance, there is faith and there is forgiveness because God is faithful and just. If you can see that the single biggest factor for conflict in your life is you, then I want you to see that the single biggest factor for actually resolving conflict in your life is Christ. It's not you. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can look in the mirror and say, it's not my fault. He is perfect. He is the sinless son of God. And what makes him our savior is he says, it's not my fault. There is no sin in me. But I'm going to take your faults and your conflicts and your sins and I'm going to make them my own. I will place them upon myself along with the punishments that you deserve for your sins, death and hell. And I will bear it I will take them to the cross, I will pay the price, and I will be your sacrifice. That's because Jesus looks at you the same way he looked at the rich young man. He looks at you, and he loves you. And in his great love for you, he goes to the cross for you. In his love, he dies for you the sinner. In his love, he makes it possible for you to be a saint. In his love, he rises from the dead to give you eternal life. In his love, he sends the Holy Spirit to work in your life, to give you the gift of faith. In his love, he continues to work in you through the word and through the sacraments. In his love, 
He takes care of the conflict that you have with him because of sin. And in his love and by his spirit, he makes it possible for conflict with others to be resolved. And in his love, he makes it possible for you to look at yourself in the mirror and see him. To see his death and his resurrection for you. To see that you have been marked and redeemed by him. And he makes it possible for you to see the saint that you are. The saint that he has called you to be. And the saint that he has made you to be. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.